0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List, and I am a person that you are listening to currently. That's right. I put in a little, little silence for you to contemplate whether or not your phone was working. Um, how are you doing? I hope well. You, we can't really have a dialogue. It's very strange, to be honest, to do these intros. It's just me in my living room talking into a microphone, but yet I'm talking to you. I think I might have discussed this in another episode. It's it's strange. I liked how Stephen King talked about in his book On Writing that um, books are like uh, mental epathy, if that's the right word, where he's sitting in his office typing and then... Some period of time later, his thoughts are now in your head. And that's sort of what's happening here with the podcast. I'm sitting here on Tuesday afternoon talking to myself, and you are hearing it, and I hope enjoying it. I don't know. Maybe you're fast forwarding, skipping 15 seconds ahead. Could be. Uh, I'm doing okay. I had a a about, I relapsed with uh, hypochondria, Googling diseases. I was having some kind of pain in my chest. I guess you could call it chest pain. I think it was muscular, intercostal muscles between the ribs maybe, or just anxiety. By the way, if you have anxiety, one of the best tools I have, I assume you do if you're listening, anxietycenter.com is my favorite thing. I go there and they have a huge list of all kinds of symptoms of anxiety. So instead of Googling chest pains or eye twitch or whatever thing you're dealing with, you go there first because most doctors and medical websites don't consider anxiety or panic or stress first. They have to make sure you're not dying. So if you go to anxietycenter.com first and look up your symptoms, they have all the symptoms that they know of that can be caused by anxiety or stress and also they have the science behind it. So uh it always relieves me a little bit. But um I think I might have been having chest pains from anxiety of I don't know, going on a trip, hanging out with in laws, COVID, who knows. Um but who knows? I'm feeling okay now, but um that stuff comes back and you just have to accept it that you deal with it. It's something you deal with, something that you um Acceptance is uh, usually the answer. But anyways, I hope that you're doing well. And uh, I appreciate you reaching out as always. A lot of nice Instagram messages and emails and reviews. If you if you have a moment, if you haven't done it already, go review the podcast and subscribe on iPodcast or whatever the hell it's called. It really helps. And some, tell some friends. We're also on YouTube. The full video is on YouTube on the Laugh Button's YouTube page, so go subscribe to that. You can watch it on there. Leave a nice comment there. And uh, spread the word. Tell people. Tweet it out. Instagram it out. Facebook, whatever it is. And um, keep spreading the word. I appreciate it. And if you'd like to see me do comedy live next Wednesday, I'll be in Royersford, Pennsylvania again. Get some tickets. I'm bringing some friends. It'll be fun. And uh, I got to get back out there. I'm anxious about that a lot of my peers are working full time again writing jokes doing sets and uh, I've been watching hockey almost exclusively so working on that transition back into it so it'd be nice to have some fans to support and um, I appreciate your support and I I love you and uh, I don't really know you but I love you all. some of you I know anyways let me tell you about this week's episode my friend Paul Odo is a guest and, uh, it was fun. We recorded it on a Saturday afternoon. Um, kind of last minute, I uh, was just sitting there looking at my schedule my schedule was a little busy and I texted Paul and said, Hey, uh, we've been, what we've been talking about doing it since before COVID. And, uh, he's one of the guys I thought about when I was starting the podcast, hadn't had a chance to and said, are you free by any chance now? And he was so, uh, we did it on a Saturday afternoon which uh, it was nice and uh, we did it over Zoom and he lived down the street. He could have come over but um, we didn't realize that till after. But anyways, Paul is a great comic. He has a podcast called Scientology and uh, we get into him. He's a great, brilliant artist, painter and um, he's selling some paintings. We'll talk about that. You can check out his prints. You should check out his art and he's a great stand-up comedy. Hilarious guy. He also does a lot of or has done a lot of sketch and improv. He's just funny in every way. You can be funny, storyteller, stand up, sketch, improv, everything. Um, and also a pretty brilliant guy. We have had some uh, really great conversations. We lived together years ago. We drank together years ago and, um, good friend guy. I know a long time. Um, I know him through Sarah who knew him way back in Houston. He's a Texas guy. And, um, just a good guy. We had a good conversation uh, up front. Some trigger warnings here. We talk a little politics. Um, it took us, we were catching up, so it took us about 15 or 20 minutes to really get into the anxiety stuff, but we talked about stuff that, for me, relates to anxiety about um, sort of these new movements of what you can say and can't say, I think. We talk about that and a little bit about, um, what do you call it, polarization, I guess. Um, so it's a little kooky up front, and then, um, but I, I enjoyed it. I hope you do as well. But I think it's about 20 or so minutes in, we really start getting into therapy. And I talk to him a lot about mushrooms and hallucinogenics, drugs, therapy, anxiety. We talk about Alan. He's a, my therapist, his therapist. And um, we get into depression and anxiety and stuff for, for a really good chunk, and it was a really interesting conversation. And then we talk a little politics towards the end again, I do call President Trump a fascist at the end, and I think a piece of human shit, so just trigger warning, if that's the kind of thing that bothers you, you might want to tune out now, although you just heard me say it, so you've made it this far, maybe you haven't made it this far, maybe you're out, but um, uh, he is those things, so, um, but save your angry tweets, or send them, I don't care, well, tweets I don't even look at anymore, so send them on Twitter if you want, but Anyway, so those are your political trigger warnings, but um, there's, a, there's a good 35, 40 minutes of stuff about hallucinogenics and therapy, and I think it was all pretty interesting and some laughs in there, and um, take care of yourselves, take some time to uh, settle down, relax, I recommend some meditation, and uh, here is a quote from the Buddha himself, no conditions are permanent, no conditions are reliable nothing is self sit and contemplate that a little bit but first enjoy this conversation with my friend hilarious comic paul odo All right, I think we're recording. This is it. Okay. This, is how, this is how every single podcast I've ever
1: done has started. Awesome. just me being like, I think something's happening now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how I start most sex, sex sexual situations also. I yeah. think it's happening.
0: It's, it's hard not to... Uh, I'm propping myself up with pillows here. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. That's the cushion I'm holding. I'm an idiot.
1: It counts um, as a pillow.
0: That counts. Yeah, I think so. Our couch is, like, fucking destroyed. Like, it's four years old, and I guess, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not, like, a
1: couch potato. I'm on the road a lot, but Mm -hmm. it's just, like, beat to shit. It's all lumpy and... It happens quick, and that's also, like, I don't know how, if that was, like, a really expensive couch or not, but, like, so in the range of couch, because you can go crazy, like, with the (laughs) amount of money that you spend on furniture. And so it always ends up, it reminds me of, like, the brackets of cars. So you get, like, a, a Honda versus an acura versus like a lexus you know so you have like they're all made by the same company but they have these different tiers of quality so it's like most of the couches and shit that people like us buy are just like it's fine it, it's a good couch but then after four years you're like why are all the soft parts clumping up into like areas and shit it's like well <laughs> if you have spent a thousand dollars more that would happen at the eight-year mark or the 10-year mark right yeah, it's shitty stuff like that. Like well,
0: we bought a chair like uh at a off a catalog at the guy down the street, like the Broadway mm-hmm, I've,
1: guy. I've bought stuff from that guy, yeah.
0: By the way, his name is Muhammad. It sounded like I was like the fucking Muhammad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is <laughs> his name. Yeah. Um uh really it sounded like I was using Muhammad as a slur, but his name's Muhammad. He's a guy that I know because we bought our uh-huh. shit. But we bought it off a catalog and it's just like immediately shit like one of the True. legs is like crooked and like the um the little gold button things that are there for looks yeah came out
1: and they're like it's like thumbtacks it's mm-hmm. horrendous no it's great it's bad like when i was when I, I mean i when i was making furniture much more regularly that was something that i would run into with people because they'd be like oh i was gonna i was gonna buy this uh table from ikea or whatever um could you make this it's like I can, but you should buy the one from Ikea because it's going to be a lot of money. And that's the deal. Like with furniture and shit, like it's so expensive to buy custom stuff, but lasts forever, you know? Right. If you, if you, if you spend that kind of money on things like that, but then there's another area of that kind of shit that's not good. And that's kind of like, that reminds you of luxury watches and things Or, or like fancy cars where it's like, it comes apart, but I don't, money doesn't mean anything to me. So you got to find that one window of of I don't know. I guess that's where Yelp and and rating things comes in, you know, we, because yeah.
0: It's hard to navigate all this stuff, but like I do notice sometimes when you spend some money you're like, oh, I see the difference. And mm-hmm. shit. But like, I bought a mandolin a while back, and uh, I was learning to play and taking a the- mandolin. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Cool. I didn't yeah, know that's that. Fun. That's cool. I haven't touched it in a few months, but I was for a while. I was going to lessons every week, and then I ended up going to. I switched from mandolin to mixed martial arts and they were across the street from each other, which is, it is just really- the, Do they line like, it
1: up in the phone book that way or whatever?
0: <laughs> well, I've thought about scheduling bowls because I think I'd be the first guy ever to go from mandolin
1: to mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah, you'd have some kind of strange angle like here comes the mandolin player. Like that's, <laughs> we know him as that, he plays and then he comes over here and chokes people out.
0: Yeah, it'd be a nice uh, character,
1: but is that your siren or my siren? Uh, that's me. Two nice. just blowing down the street must've been something serious because the cops don't give a fuck about anything anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No. Canter, Jason Canter, who was on a couple of weeks ago, he had a story about, um,
0: he was at a bar or something and like a homeless guy was walking up, just punching people in the face. A mm-hmm. woman was like crying and ran over to the cop and the cop was like, Hey, this is what defunding the police
1: looks like. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that that's the way that they, cause it's, it's a mixture of them either being on their very best behavior or just detached. It's right. somewhere somewhere between there but yeah they're just like i don't know you don't like us we're not gonna do anything then it's like Ugh. yeah uh, that's not gonna last or look good no
0: no that's a whole whole bag of hammers that i'm not brave enough to get into but oh, i know man <laughs> um, it's so much um yeah we'd have to uh you know leave the business if we wanted to have a conversation about police but yeah 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 um Saturday just had a whole long thing. Anyways, let's get into into it. We'll talk about that later. We were agreeing, um, but it was a whole, I don't know, we were reading some thread on Facebook
1: that you're like, these people are fucking nuts. Yeah, always a good source of information, Facebook. And uh, rational people, like, they definitely have patience and listen to the other side of the story. It's a great place to have good dialogue on social media. Well, Twitter's this, a little better too.
0: This goes into the mental health thing where sometimes with Sarah, I have to be like, you got to stop reading this to me because I'm avoiding it and now you're bringing it to me. You've, like, I'm sitting yes. here reading my Kerouac book like a gay hippie. Uh, and, and then now I'm just fucking livid about yeah, a dude. guy I only know about online who I never met or seen ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that fucking guy. How about I fucking? And it's just uh-huh. like my blood is boiling about a person I don't even know. I'm not even gonna bump into about some situation that happened in some other fucking state. Yeah. And this is that that is really the the horror of uh, social media to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I'm I, my day's fucked up, and I'm trying to read my book. I'm like, no, no, I'm reading, but I can't get out of this debate in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm just arguing with strangers in my head and it's really a fucking horrific um, experiment. We're all involved in.
1: Yeah. It's totally uh, it, it's, it, it's crazy making the whole deal. It's like, it's always, it's got our like mental RPMs up to this, like almost at the red line constantly. and And it's so hard to detach from that because you feel like you're becoming some kind of a hermit or you're uh like just ignoring things because you don't want to ignore things you want to be in the know of what's happening but it's like such a flood of shit that you're just like i don't need to know all this i don't yeah. need to, I, I don't it's like let me know if there's a hurricane coming let me know if there's like genuine you know if there's a fire in the neighbor you know things like that but just going off about and, and but, but but that also comes down to this deal where people keep thinking that the world is getting more and more crazy and i believe it's just that we're more aware of how crazy the world has always been
0: right yeah like i th- we, we were talking about that recently of like vietnam like in the late 60s it was fucking ape shit and people were yeah. in the streets and if there was social media then it would have yeah. been like fuck you you
1: you hawks you doves you fat yeah. whatever oh um, man my dad has told me that before he's like if if you could see what it looked like in like the vietnam era it, it would you would have thought that the whole country was done Like he was just like, there were, I mean, I know that there's a lot of riots and things going on right now and a lot of shit like that, but uh, nothing compared to that. I mean, can you imagine the idea of just like drafting people to send over to a war? That's something we can't even fathom. Yeah.
0: And the leaders getting shot in the face also. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like if Killer Mike got shot in the face, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, i people, I might offend people comparing Killer Mike to MLK, but we, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, fucking uh, Bernie Sanders got shot in the chest yes. and died. You'd be like, you know, that's like a better, uh, an analogy. Oh, your face is frozen.
1: Crazy shit like that. And the idea of people setting themselves on fire. Right. Sorry. Hi, back. Uh, oh, I'm Oh, no. okay. I'm not hearing me. Oh, uh, internet sure. connections unstable. We were talking about the government too much.
0: <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, you know, they I'll know. You froze up, but um, this is a, this is a common theme on it, the uh, show. Is it better now or now? Um, I can't tell. I can see your head moving. Oh, geez.
1: <laughs> can you hear me okay though? Now I can hear you. So you can hear me, all right?
0: Yes, but I didn't for a moment. All
1: right. Oh, jeez, How's it? How about now?
0: You're coming through good on my end. All right. It looks like you're walking to the center of the ring the way you were, uh, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. I think, I think it sounds better now. As long as you can hear me. Um, but yes, what we were saying is that, uh, shit is fucked up. Um, but yeah, I was just saying the same thing. I was just having the same, um, thought process in my head of like, how much is a good amount to ignore and how much should we not ignore? Like mm-hmm. some of the stuff is just like, you know, a, a crazy gang of protesters went to a restaurant and smashed the food out of everyone's face in some town. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I need to know about that. I don't, that doesn't, I don't care. I mean, not that I don't care, but I'm like, it, I care too
1: much. It gets me too flustered and angry. Well, that's another, uh, how, how's the connection by the way? Is it okay?
0: I can't really tell. It's hard to say.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, what I was, what I was meaning to say is it's now, I I think that there's certain things Mm -hmm. that you can cite as being more of the problem than others. I think there was a moment in time where in the past few years, where it stopped being okay for you to not care. And that became a thing that people would turn on you. If you were like, Like, say, for instance, you're not a liberal person, say you're a pretty, say you vote conservative, but you're not like conservative on social issues and shit, you're just like, uh, you know, gay marriage and things is fine in your book or whatever. And if you were to be like, I don't care what people do. I don't care who you marry. I don't care. That doesn't matter. That used to be progressive to say that. Now if you say, I don't care what you do with your life, you're like, Oh, so you don't care. So that's, that's, so you're taking a stance that it doesn't matter. So our fight or struggle doesn't matter. And that is not good. That's not positive to not allow people to just not have a position when you don't allow people to just be kind of like ambivalent or neutral about stuff. It's just like, I don't really know enough to comment on that subject and I don't really feel like educating myself. I got my own problems. Do you want to know about all the problems in my life? Because I don't think you do. You know what I mean? It's like you gotta have a stance now. You have to have a side, and I think that that is that ramps up the tension in in forcing people to take some kind of a stance.
0: Yeah, totally. And now it's in a place where it's like not only do you have to have a side, you have to have my side.
1: Yes, or you You are (laughs) you you are not allowed to disagree. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's again another one that's like. I'm a, I'm a lefty. I've always considered myself a very, like, I've never not voted for a democratic candidate for, you know, president or anything like that. But it's like, there are certain aspects of like the left that I really don't like anymore. And I've gotten so upset with people because it's just like, so you guys are all about inclusion and equality unless people disagree with you.
0: Yeah. I think, I I think I might've said this before on this podcast, but we have. It feels like to me that we have uh, really progressed and come a long way in accepting people that don't look like us. Yep. And have gone really regressed uh, and are unwelcome into people that don't think like us. Mm-hmm. Like now, it's become like yes, we have black people and and gay Asian people and Middle Eastern people. Everyone is welcome and uh, yes, but people that don't think like us. Mm-hmm. fuck you, you piece of shit. You're I a know. fucking Nazi or you're whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's what's so curious to ways. me.
1: Oh, you're cu- Now, say that again. I said it goes both ways too. It does very much so. And it's, it, it, it's interesting to see like the, the liberal, like, and I'm talking not, not like liberal, but like hyper liberal mind, like the activist mind when they're confronted with things like gay Republicans and shit like that, where they're just like kind of glitch out and they're like, I don't know what you are. And it's like, well, that's what, that's what it means when people have like personal sovereignty and, and are individuals, they, they don't always agree with you. And that's like more of a humanizing way to look at homosexuality than it is to just be like, oh, you're a thing that I can use in my argument against people that I dislike. You know, you have to, because people, like sexual orientation or whatever, doesn't automatically line up with political affiliation. That's not the way that it works. And if anything, that's more of a sign that that's more of a like that we've come further than we ever thought that we had because you have people that are like, yeah, that's not really a factor anymore. You know? Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I think I think we talked about that. Um, maybe it was you and I can't remember. I think I talked about this on the podcast as well. But the idea of like people were like Pete Buttigieg sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was like mm-hmm. oh this is great progress. It really is. Like liberals are like fuck this guy. He's yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: to be able to talk shit
0: about a gay guy. Yeah, you're like, this is
1: wonderful. Yeah, you're there's, like accepted.
0: Yeah, there's a gay guy that people
1: are just like, nah, he sucks. We can't have him. And isn't that a weird thing about like equality, if you want, or, uh, or whatever, however you want to describe it. It's like, in order for somebody to really be like on the same level, we have to be able to dislike them.
0: Right. You know? Yeah, and this is an argument that happens a lot in comedy, and part of a much bigger argument is this idea of like making jokes about races and stuff like, hey, you can't joke about uh, these people, they're underprivileged mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I thought we were just
1: joking about all the people. It makes it seem like you're making yeah. them inferior. Yes, and you're infantilizing them. You're making them into this, this thing that needs to be protected. They're like, they're not as strong as everybody else. Yeah. And if I if I were in that if I were in that group, of people, I mean I'm I have I'm an extremely privileged uh, man who is attracted to women, so I'm the devil. But either way, if I were if I were in if I were in that situation, if I were in the group that you couldn't joke about, I'd be like, "Fuck you! You don't speak for me. You could say whatever you want to me. I, I, I stand up for myself." You know, it's like I would take offense to that concept of other people telling people that look like them that oh no, but use kid gloves on that guy on that group of people. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are to tell people whether or not I I can or can't be like at the, I can't sit at the adult table. I gotta be over here for Thanksgiving with all the little kids. Right. Particularly
0: in our business, by the way, you show up at the comedy cell and you're sitting with Keith Robinson. If you're not,
1: firing back it's gonna be a long night just like well that's the thing that i love about comedians so much and it's one of the reasons that i think i've become sort of like a socially fucked up person over time is because i've i've hung out with comics for so long and talked comedy and just been in that like you know whatever shit talking dojo situation for so long with people that are really good at it you know that are really good at making fun of each other, and 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 know it as a sign, like a term of endearment, when you rip on each other. It's like you go out into the regular world and start talking like that with people, and you will make people cry. Like you will make people <laughs> very upset. You know, and I've I've explained that to people that I've worked with before because they'll kind of like bust balls, and it's like I don't really do that with people that aren't comics for the most part. Yeah, just because um, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you, like in a weird way. Right. You're not gonna yeah.
0: I've, I used to, I tried to do a bit about it before, but it wasn't relatable, I guess. But I was at Starbucks and my thing wouldn't scan, and I was like, ah, sorry, my phone's being a cunt. Yeah, he was like, what? I was like, oh <laughs> shit, sorry. Yeah, like, like cunt is funny to us; it's like silly. But the yeah. lady was horrified, and I was like, oh
1: shit, my bad. Yeah, I know it's strange. It's like uh, uh, we have like this, uh, what is like military grade humor, where it's like it's it's a uh, industrial strength, like just banter you know it's like like you you've done some of those military shows before overseas and i'm sure they let you ride around in the humvees and the whole stuff sure you know you know when when you're getting in and out of those armor-plated humvees they're like watch that you don't shut that door on your hand because it will break your fingers off it's like that's just accidental and that's the way i feel like with our discourse like the way that we talk to each other it's like if you bring a civilian person into that thing it's like you're gonna accidentally get really hurt in this arena. Like, yeah. if your if your skin's not thick, it's gonna be like, oh, you you've never heard, had anybody call you fat or bald or like that your teeth are stupid or anything like that or just fucking found the weakness inside of your thing that you thought nobody had the the nuts to pull out or something. It's just it gets it gets brutal, but I love it because it's like if you can't make and this is this is I think sort of what's wrong with everybody and why everybody's so sad is because we have this idea of like not offending each other is somehow, is somehow like caring about each other more. But all that really does to me is insulate each other more because it's like, like you and I have known each other forever. We can be very like ball busty and harsh with each other and But that's because I know you love me and I love you and you're like my, my good friend. And so we can say shit to each other that is very cutting and like true. And like if you're being a dick to a bunch of people, I fucking tell you you're being a dick. And you know that I'm not doing that to, to, to dislike you more, to make you dislike me. It's more that you, you're like, you know, I was being a little fucking shitty or whatever. It's like the honesty. Right. in the in the harshness and i think that the more that we take that honesty out of our everyday conversations with people the less that we're gonna we know each other you know
0: right yeah i remember this incident i always talk about where i was with dan soda i would like make jokes about we came very close and i would like make a joke about his dad being dead and then there was another comic who was like yeah because your dad's dead and i had to be like uh- hey dude yeah, no, no, don't just, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're going to get your fucking face smashed in.
1: Yes. And um, I've known people that don't have that, uh, they don't understand. We know people like this that don't know you have to wait to get to know people more because this is the other side of the coin, like right. the other part of that. It's like, you got to make that, you have to make those close bonds with people before you can do that. Because if you just try to jump into doing that, people are like, what the fuck are you? You can't just say that shit. Yeah. That's insane yeah
0: exactly it's, it's no good but I, w- I want to uh shift gears slightly into um some of this mental health shit because i know you're a big oh, yeah. I, w- I want to talk about you're a therapy guy you're you're an alan guy right say everyone listening is familiar with alan i haven't seen him in a while but yeah yeah, yeah i haven't yeah. i haven't seen him but i've been talking to him on the uh the phone a little bit mm. um which isn't as great because i end up pacing around and you know playing with my dick or whatever well you know it's something more to talk about he's a good-looking man but yeah um, and I also want to talk about microdosing because that's something you've done are, you're into, yeah. are you
1: still doing that I do uh, not with as much regularity as I, I was doing it but I kind of dip in and out I'll probably start doing it again pretty soon because it's the thing for me is I was I was using it not really in the proper microdosing way because to really microdose to do it like technically, the way that people mean when they're when they're talking about it it's just supposed to have so sm- such a small amount that you don't actually feel it. That it operates on like a back end of your operating system, kind of like the way that people do it in uh, like tech industries and shit like that. Like these CEOs, the way that they would talk about it, it's to like help with your memory and your spatial reasoning and sort of like creativity and things like that. So you do like very small doses four typically four days on three days off Mm -hmm. and then it 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 helps improve your creativity and your um memory and a lot of other things like that but what i was doing is like a little bit you could feel what i'm doing so when i was i was bartending for a while and it it was in the wake of this breakup and i i go I, i i break up hard which you know uh, I <laughs> like, like when I, when I, when I end these long-term relationships that I'm in, I go into like this very strange, different personality. It's like a metamorphosis of self, but, but I was, was going through this breakup and it wasn't like a catastrophic breakup, but it was a very, I mean, we, she and I were engaged and it was one of those uh, types of breakups that, um, nobody betrayed anybody. It wasn't like an explosion. It was just this, like, it, we didn't work. And it was like this disconnect in logic that was so much harder than had somebody hurt the other person, you know? So it was like this slow boil of pain. And I was, and I was just lost in my head in this weird depression that I didn't know what to do with. I just wake up every day, just sad and like either lost in thought in such a way that I was either daydreaming about the future or reliving the past. And I was not present whatsoever. And I would be talking to people And I remember many times in the middle of a conversation having to stop and be like, listen, I apologize, but I am not even here right now. Like I am somewhere else in my head. I'm just, I'm hearing you. I'm trying to respond, but I'm just, I'm away. And, and, and what I ended up doing was I started taking small doses of mushrooms because I was drinking at work at this bar that I was working at, but I would drink and then I would get like sad and, And I don't like to drink when I'm sad because I think it just makes it worse and it's the whole thing. So I started taking these small doses of mushrooms. I just had like a stem and a cap and then it would make me very present. Hmm. It would just bring me back to being right where I was right then. And I was just happy to be talking to people and feeling like I was back in like my body, like operating from behind my own eyes instead of looking at myself from three quarter perspective, you know? And, And I would just start, I just got, I, I just, it helped me wipe that bullshit away a little bit. And then I just talked to people and be like, dude, where are you from? What are you up to? And I I got out of my own head and was just riveted by the reality of the situation, which is one of the best things about psilocybin to me, the the mushroom stuff is like, it just brings you back to a kind of childlike state of wonder where you, it sort of reminds me of like a fresh coat of snow over like worn trails it, you can you can make new trails and you're not so dragged into these like common thought patterns and things like that. And it gives you a little bit of a break and it has a bit of a residual effect on your, uh, you just, it, it, it has this way of reminding you that nothing matters and somehow that's fantastic.
0: Right. Yeah, that and, sounds delightful. I mean, I'm a big Sam Harris guy. I don't know if you listen to him. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. But- He's a big proponent, says a lot of um, similar things about it. And he talks about you can get there through meditation Mm -hmm. um, and you can get there quickly through meditation. He's a believer in, but, um, the difference is you can get there and find it through meditation, but with Mm -hmm. mushrooms, you're guaranteed to have some sort of experience. Yes. Like you can meditate and just be like, I didn't even get it. I don't even, nothing. I'm just sitting here like a weirdo where Mm -hmm. if you take LSD or mushrooms, Mm -hmm your shit's gonna change your fucking yeah. perception is going to change
1: guaranteed yeah they do that with uh, a lot of people that are really dark in deep dark places i think uh, ketamine is the other one right. that uh, i've never i've never messed with that but i know that that has like real therapeutic uses and things like that and it does kind of like those types of things because i don't do heavy doses of mushrooms i do it maybe once every two years i'll do like a really intense like full thing that lasts for like four to four, between like four and eight hours. And that, and it's, it's like a reset and it just, it helps. And it's a residual effect again. Like it keeps me in this kind of like, everything's all right. Kind of mode for about a week or so after. And then you, the memory of that is lasting. It's a very, it's a very positive thing. I don't advocate a lot of like illegal substances, but I've always been a big person about like, if I had kids and I hope to, at some point in my life, I would be very cautious about, you know, telling them about drugs in general and like substances. But I feel like if they never, if they went their whole life without doing some kind of a hallucinogenic, I honestly feel like they wouldn't live as full of a life as they could have lived. There's something about it. There's something about it like that. That's like, it just gives you this shit. There was the best description I ever heard, not to go on and on about this, but the best description I ever heard about psychedelics was in this book called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. And, uh, and he, he talked about, so imagine your mind is like this house that you've lived in your whole life. And you're familiar with the house, you know it like the back of your hand. And then one day you take a book off a bookshelf and that bookshelf opens up and there's just more of the house. And you go in there and it's not scary. It's not necessarily weird or alarming. It's just more house you didn't know was there. And that's kind of what hallucinogenics can give you is this just awareness it's like oh i have i have more of a capacity to think about things or see things in a way that i just never really realized i could and that's it, it, and i thought it was a very accurate takeaway
0: interesting another analogy i've heard like sam harris had another analogy similarly about um if you like, like with a window, you can look out the window and you're just seeing what's outside the window. But if mm-hmm. someone if someone presented it as like this is a mirror, you can see your face in it because you can see. If you look out a window, you can see your face. Yeah, yeah. But somewhat, depending on what they tell you, you could just be looking at your face when you look in the window and be like, oh, right. there's a, it's a mirror. And then if someone's like, that's also a window into this other thing, and then you look right past your face and see. That's wow. interesting. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, there's a
1: whole other shit out here. I was just seeing myself. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely, I, I, I could, I could certainly see the analogy there. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well,
0: the, the right? interesting thing to mushrooms to me and what meditation does is sort of the, the loss of um, ego, the dropping of the ego of this mm-hmm. idea of subject object of like, I am this thing looking at this yes thing and to kind of drop away the eye, like I talk about it a lot duality of i mean my special is named i hate myself the mm-hmm. idea which is of like, great by the way oh thank you but mm-hmm. the idea of like i am crazy or i am stupid it's like well who is saying i who is the yeah. I, I it's this duality of us of um i have a body and i have a mind well if yeah. you're not your
1: body and you're not your mind then who are you it's so hard to it's so hard to figure that shit out because it's always there and i was i was explaining to somebody else about the mushroom deal. It's like, I have a similar deal where I am so hard on myself about everything. I can't, it's very hard for me to like experience. I like feel like I have to schedule times to feel happy. You <laughs> know, it's like, feeling. yeah. I just don't, I don't have it. Well, I don't have easy access to it. And what I've got is a constant shadow that I fight all of the time. So most of my day, it's better now, but for the longest time, I was like, I have to wrestle with the idea of hating myself and getting through the arguments within myself about why that's a ridiculous, like mirage. It's not real. I, I, I can, I am exceptionally talented in many respects. I can do a lot of things that a lot of other people can't do, but I feel like a fraud. I feel like I don't deserve anything. I feel like everything about me is like inherently bad. And I don't even know where the fuck that comes from but I have to like talk my way through it in my own head before I can get to work doing anything. And by the time I fight myself and all my weird shadowed boxing of my own mental demons, then I'm so exhausted that I can only do about 50% what I could have done had I had that energy back from wrestling with my own thoughts. So when I take little bits of mushrooms, for some reason I can just recognize it as bullshit immediately
0: right now how much first of all i have the same thing i think a lot of people are going to relate to that and i certainly do and i have the exact same feeling i, I hate myself i i think i'm a piece of shit and i was just thinking about this the other day i was walking it was yesterday and i was telling sarah the same thing sometimes you just have to work on our perceptions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. of i just have this thing of like you suck and you can never do anything and you're, you're, you're a fraud and then I had this realization I was going, I just finished running and I went to get my bagel and I'm like, I am a guy that wakes up really early, mm-hmm. meditates immediately, oh, does some push-ups, goes for a run and comes back and like wakes up my wife really sweetly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's how I start every single day. You're like, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's like a pretty good thing. And I'm it's like, really good. I'm living in a home that I paid for. I'm like, I, I created you know, material and a career and, and moved and despite of in spite of, you know, OCD and anxiety, crippling anxiety and confidence problems, sometimes you just have to be like, wait, no, I'm doing I have a completely incorrect perception of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people do.
1: Yeah. Alan gave me good notes on that one time, uh, when I was it was kind of one of my I think I've probably had three breakthrough moments with him that I can count. It like took me about two or three years before I really started to understand therapy and like be able to get it, I just kept going. Like I was going to the gym. I was like, I don't know. It just feels like it's something I need to do. And then you'd get through a certain amount and then you start to get it a little bit more and understand, and you see the patterns yourself. And at one time we were going down this road about like self-hatred and shit. And, and I remember he was just like, you just have to tell yourself, those are my bad thoughts. And he's like, those are just your bad thoughts. You need to tell yourself that, and I was, and I remember immediately being like, "That will not work. That will not work." And he's like, "Try it. Just try it." And I was yeah. like, "It's not gonna work." He also, I think, I hold the title. Uh, I was very proud of this when Alan told me this. He said, "You are the most frustrating person I think I've <laughs> ever talked to." Like it was wow. something, something like that. It was some. It felt like I won. Like in some weird way. I was just like, he's like, you, it's so hard to get you. Cause I fight with him all the time. And I don't think a lot of people like argue with him.
0: No, I don't do that. I, uh, we, we, we've bickered about stuff, but for the most part, I'm just like, sure. I'll do that. He's like my sensei.
1: Yeah. For a lot of it, it's just me and him are just fucking at each other's throat. I'm just like, Why? Explain that to me. Why does that work? Why would you think that that would work? And, like, I'm just like really making them. And he gives me a great deal, by the way. Like, I, I make, a, I, I should pay him more if I could. And I would. But anyway, he, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just said, Those are just your bad thoughts. You got to think about it. You got to think about it that way. And I took that home and I just started trying to think about it like that. When I'd start thinking about thoughts that were kind of unfounded and I knew they didn't come from anywhere, like, why am I a bad person? He'd be like, That's just you coming up with bad thoughts about yourself and it really works for some reason. I don't know why. It's just like saying it out loud.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I mean, like there's so many things he says that are just so simple. Like he's just like, it's just anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like so, um, deep and layered for me, the idea of, it's just anxiety of like that is actually all it is. Mm -hmm. Just Thoughts and, he always said like your thoughts are not reality. Your thoughts in reality have nothing to do with each other. Mm. They're not even yeah. related to each other. One uh-huh. thing is just thoughts that are coming into your head and reality is completely different. So I can think that I'm a piece of shit or whatever, but in reality, I'm just kind of a nice guy walking around looking around, you know? Yeah. I mean?
1: yeah. 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 Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was, it, it just, it reminded me of a thing where it's like, I feel like we're, we're, we're tilted that way in some respects because we're not often put in situations to know whether or not we're good or bad uh not really you know and that's that's another one you and i have talked about this over the years about like what percentage of people do we think in the world are good versus people that are bad and you know it's like i think that you and i have always kind of been like a little bit more on the optimistic side of like most people are good you know yeah And I think that most people think that they're good. But I think that the issue is that we don't, we live in such a, believe it or not, and I know this is a hard pill to swallow for some people. We live in such a wonderfully advanced civilization, like such a paradise on earth that we're not really tested very often to see whether or not we're good people. Because a lot of those situations have been civilized out of everyday life. You know, we don't have to be in the situation where like, do I have to fucking kill that guy and steal his food? Do I have to like, you know, things like that. Those are moments or like, you know, like all the people that think that if they were in Germany, when the rise of the Nazis were coming, that they would have not been a Nazi. That's probably not true. Right. You know what I mean? And that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person, but it's like these choices aren't present all the time. And so, so we kind of get lost in this haze, I feel like of being like, I think optimism and pessimism tends to present itself as like, I'm either a pretty good person or I'm a piece of shit. And I think that that's kind of like you and I are like more on the pessimistic side and that manifests as I suck. Right. By the way, we might be heading to that territory
0: soon. Where (laughs) with the, um, economy and our, uh,
1: slightly fascist president. Dude, it's um, weird. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll tell you, I don't, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about this right now, but it uh, <laughs> yeah. might go dark quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if you're curious about like, just to kind of keep it on topic about um, mental health, like what helped me get out of this crazy funk. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'd still say I'm on like the tail end of dealing with this breakup. Cause it was like a six and a half year relationship. And I genuinely wanted to marry her and be with her my whole life. But So I was just in this deep funk, the, the, the small amount of mushrooms helped. And when I say small amount, I mean about like a little under a gram is what I would have. So that's like an eighth is approximately four to five grams if you're getting like something generous. So that would be an eighth is something that you could split with another person and basically have about half yourself and half for them. And that's good for like a four to seven or four to eight hour experience. So I would be doing essentially a third, maybe a little less than one whole portion. So that's what I, it lasts about two, two, three hours and not really crazy. So, so I was that, doing, go ahead. So that's different than
0: like um, going out into Joshua tree and sitting there for four hours, all fucked up and the clouds are bleeding
1: and whatever the fuck. This is just, you're, you're taking this amount and then you're going and doing a bartending shift. I was working and uh, yeah. And also just like living my day, and all that that would really do is kind of bring me to a present experience, feel very present of mine, and uh, kind of give me more of an optimistic, happy thing going on. And I would maybe notice the light. You would kind of like, that's how I knew it would be coming on. It's like, oh, I, I walked into this room and there's a different kind of light than there was in the other room. And you recognize strange, small things like that. Right. And so so it was like, it's like that. And uh, yeah, so there, it's it's positive to me. And it's also not such a time commitment or like an uh, emotional commitment where it's like, if you take like quite a bit, you're going to deal with like some emotions. You might cry about things very easily. And, and it's all, it feels, it's very, you know, therapeutic to use the term. It's, it's good for you. In my mind, it's like, even people that describe bad trips, to me, that's just more of a challenging experience. You're confronting things that you need to confront. And it's not necessarily like euphoric, but it is a good thing to deal with. You know, it's not like, anyway, so that's a whole nother deal. But so I would do these small amounts of mushrooms. And then I also got into a very, very rigid workout regimen where every single day I'd get up and just do a crazy amount of push ups and pull-ups and kettlebell things and uh, crunches and then meditation and therapy. So it was like exercise, therapy, meditation, and mushrooms. That was like my cycle. And, And it really helped me a lot.
0: I always say and joke that I'm like, it is a full-time job not being a complete psychopath. Yeah. I got all kinds of books and materials. I'm reading four different books. I got to meditate. I got to go to therapy. I got to go to AA. I got to run. And uh, I got to get laid. (laughs) I got like a lot of things going on to keep me on an even keel where I'm still... Googling, am I having a heart attack half of the day? Oh, yeah. You got a little bit of the hypochondria thing going on too, right? Yeah, I've gotten much better with it, but I've been gripped with it lately because I was having some crazy, I still am having some weird, sharp pains right where my like heart is, but I think it's intercostal muscles, like the muscle between ribs, mm-hmm. or just anxiety can cause that, which I've had a million times where right. anxiety and stress
1: are causing physical Um, side effects. Yeah, it happens for real. You know, you want to know a really strange statistic that I don't, I haven't checked. It's not not a stat, but like a a thing that I heard that I hope is true. Um, This guy was telling me that um, mentally handicapped, what we used to refer to as retarded people, uh, have an before that was extremely offensive. And you can bleep that out, I guess, if you need to. But I'll take the heat. I say retarded a lot. All right. So anyway, apparently... (laughs) the numbers of, uh, retarded people or whatever with, uh, cancer is extremely low. Interesting. Yeah. And people cite that as like, they don't worry about it. Interesting. Yeah. And it was like, man, if that's true, what a fascinating thing. Well, if that's true, also, I'm going to have cancer by the end of this interview.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm constantly worrying. Oh, that that turns into this whole like holographic universe concept of like, is it a game? And if it's not real, then you, you know, it is these things that you kind of bring into your own life by just being afraid of them, you know? Right. It's a weird one.
0: No, I have that shit all the time. And I've had so many, um, I might do a whole episode of it with a friend of mine who's got, had, had a similar issue and she's doing better with it now. But yeah, I've had so many doctor's bills and so many things going to get x-rays and fucking all kinds of crazy shit because I was losing my mind. And then after the doctor was like, Nah, there's nothing wrong here. It just completely
1: went away. And then it moves on to some other thing. Huh. and it's, Yeah. It's good that you run and do all the things that you do because it really is like, I've, I've made the, I've talked about it before with people. It's like, I feel like sometimes, and maybe this is sort of a comedian thing, but it feels like my brain and the way that my mind works is almost like nuclear material. Like it needs to be put to some kind of use because if it's not, it's going to start being very toxic, very quick. And like, you know, it's like right now, none of us have been on stage for so long. It's like, There's got to be so many comics just losing their goddamn minds.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I I think about that shit all the time of like, if I didn't have comedy or if I wasn't doing any of these things, if I was still drinking and not meditating and not running, how crazy would I be then not going Mm -hmm. to therapy? Then how crazy would I be? But that's another thing with perception. Like I'm always think I'm dying. I'm like, I think I got a heart problem. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have cancer. But I have to sit and remind myself of like, I quit drinking soda a year and a half ago. I don't eat fast food nearly as much as I used to. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. I've never smoked. I Mm -hmm. run fucking every day. I'm fit. Mm -hmm. I drink a gallon of green tea every day. I have a big giant green smoothie every day. I meditate. I fucking, I have sex. I have a wife. I see friends and family. I laugh. Laughter is the best medicine, that Mm -hmm. horseshit. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, Maybe my perception is completely way off and I'm one of the healthiest people in the fucking world. Right. <laughs> like I'm like, you know, I eat I you know, I eat french fries here and there and uh, you know, I have reflux and I eat red meat or whatever the fuck, but I'm like yeah. it could be that I'm way healthier than I realize.
1: Yeah, I think you just you just got way over the top with the anxiety. I think that's definitely exact, exactly what it is. It's probably like a weird chronic anxiety disorder. Or something,
0: yeah, you know? oh, for sure. But I want to ask too about. So, what do you think has been more? Maybe it's hard to categorize or or rank. But what has been more helpful to you, therapy or mushrooms or a combination? Because it feels like therapy has helped you a lot. It seems, yeah. But you're it's... you're resistant to it or to the process. You you just don't. Because I feel like I went into therapy just desperate and like, all right, I can't, my, I can't maneuver this on my own you Mm -hmm. tell me something and i'll do that right and i've kind of tried to and and pretty much done that i feel like you've had a different approach of like what the fuck does that mean why are you saying
1: that yeah i think well just to kind of answer that i feel like they complement each other uh more than one being better than the other i think that you know it's kind of like like how a good night's sleep, if you m- do some studying on something and then get a good night's sleep, it helps you take it in more. I feel like the, uh, the, the experience that I've had with mushrooms has helped me absorb more of the stuff that I do in therapy and also made me understand more. It's made me, because it can help me kind of remove myself from my uh, judgmental side of me so much. And I think it's that judgmental, like harsh internal parent that i've got that is just like a, this abusive thing that i carry around that if i'm a, when i'm able to detach from that a little bit then i go into my head thinking about what it is that i talked about in therapy and i recognize the patterns more and that's a whole another thing so i think that because i never really talked to alan about doing mushrooms or anything it's just something i do i always feel like if i talk to him about it he might be like you shouldn't do that and then i'll have to get into a whole argument with him about it and i but it's whatever. I just know that it's something that works for me. I've mentioned it once or twice, and he never really said anything. But it's not something that I – I don't know. I don't know why. But it does It does help me. It has helped me, I believe, to kind of let it set in more. Right. Well, he and, must have
0: – Alan must have been an LSD guy at some point. I mean, he was a – He sure take looks it like to it. The,
1: he's a, a, a take-it-to-the-street, 60s fucking marcher yeah. with crazy long hair. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he he and I have talked about substance abuse and things like that over the years. And I, I always have to ask him these weird questions, like, you know, not about substance, but you know, you just I check with him. It's like, dude, am I a narcissist? You know, or things like that. And he's like, No, you wouldn't be here if you were a narcissist. Like, narcissists don't go to therapy unless it's court ordered, you know. Oh that's and then, good. Yeah. And even then they don't get it. They don't know why they're there. You know, it's like you're a, you're a you know, you're self centered but that's not the same thing. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I fucking, I love Alan. He has such a great way of um, saying things. I think I've probably told this story before me. I told you where I was like, well, there one time and I was like, ah, I just, I, I think I have OCD and no one ever, um, no one ever diagnosed me. But, and he started laughing. He's like, do you need me to tell you that you have obsessive compulsive thoughts? Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, you do. Of yeah. course you do. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah yeah but it's not it is helpful to be like because you have this thought or maybe i have this thought of like if no one diagnosed me i'm like i don't have that because someone would have told me but if fe- sure. i feel crazy so i'm like i must just be crazy because no one ever told me i have a disorder like yeah. you know not to be like back when we were kids but like back then nobody even thought anything of it they were just yeah. like ah, kids a pussy right. um That's he, why i can't slap I mean, out of him yeah he's a little bitch he keeps crying i don't know Hmm it took me, I was 37 before some crazy looking Jew was like, no, you got a problem. You got a disorder. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. thank you For Christ's sake.
1: Yeah. I had a similar one with him. Although it didn't, he didn't diagnose me with it, but I would, I kept trying to tell him, I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm, I just have depression. And he's like, you're not, you're, you're sad, but that's different. Hmm. It's like, there's a difference between like, you are sad for good reason. You right. know, Like there's a difference between being depressed clinically and just not liking your life and being upset because of it.
0: Well, he had a great thing too to me about. I kept being like, I I just I'm tired of being sad or anxious. I just want to be happy. And he's like, he does that thing where he's like, why? And I'm like, why? Of course, I want to be happy. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then he's like, well, I don't I don't know. He's like, what What if your mother died? Would you want to be happy? And I was Mm -hmm. like. Well, no, I want to feel, and he's like, okay, so you, you feel feelings. So you're just feeling these feelings. Something's making you sad. And then we went down into that
1: yeah. road. Yeah. That's, that's such an interesting thing too, to deal with, where it's like, you feel the way you feel, feel, right. you feel like allow yourself. That's another one that he always gets me on. He's like, you got to allow yourself to feel your feelings. Right. Because I'm always trying to reject them. And that's another one that I think they talk about in like Buddhist philosophy a lot. That's about just like, Feel it all, like you have to allow it to happen, you know, like when you're when you're fighting, did you ever read that book, Sapiens? Did we talk about that before?
0: No, Sarah read it. it's um, great, I have
1: it, yeah, it's really good and the in the end, this guy does a very quick little breakdown of what this like life is suffering concept means, and I thought it was such an interesting way. it's like, and I'm sure you're familiar with that idea also, but it's like Certainly. I didn't get it, and then it's like when somebody's like, well, you know obviously suffering is regular. That's clearly suffering, pain and things like that, depression, sadness or whatever. But how could positive things be suffering too? And that's the idea that you're now anxious about them ending, or you're worried that this is the best thing that's ever going to happen, or it's never going to, you know, that, so it's all a form of suffering. And this guy was like, imagine standing on the beach and like the waves are coming in and you're standing there and the waves are rolling over you and they're washing out. And for some reason, you've decided that some of these waves are good and some of them are bad. And so you try to push the waves that are coming in away and you try to keep the waves that have come in that are good, they are longer. And that's that's how preposterous the idea of fighting against it is. You just let it happen.
0: And that's where all suffering comes, is trying to control things that we can't control. I mean, that's the nature of um, suffering. And that's another sort of Buddhist thing, that i help to remind myself is is say yes um to think to to feelings mm-hmm. instead of resisting of being like i'm sad and i don't want to be sad Yeah, now you're fighting this and now you're sad and you're suffering instead of just being like all right well i'm sad today you say yes to the feeling or to the emotion yeah. and that i learned a lot from that's how i learned how to kind of um handle panic attacks which i've had crippling panic attacks oh
1: yeah yeah i remember was, when you were dealing with that much worse i yeah. think when we were living together you had that quite yeah you were like what the fuck is this oh it was horrendous and yeah, i felt really bad of- for you oh i, I appreciate it really, it. Se- it really seems miserable i was like i don't even know how to help other what? than i don't know we were drinking like you want to drink you want to get get drunk (laughs) um yeah i don't that helps in the short term Mm -hmm. sometimes,
0: but that's another thing is like that thing you have to accept it and that like blew my mind and i was so resistant to that that's when alan and i would fight early on of this like just accept it you're having a bad and i'm like fuck you accept it i'm like i'm (laughs) shaking on the floor fucking my teeth are scattering i can't breathe my heart's pounding and it is a thing of like because you're trying so desperately to get out of it and battling yeah. with it it just sends you deeper into that thing and it's again yeah. the ocean is a great analogy too if, yeah which it really happens i was just at the beach the other day if you
1: try to fight against the current you're, it's just going to pull you in you just have right. to what the ocean do and eventually you'll pop out yeah you know what's with yeah with like a riptide also like move sideways and the whole thing yeah there's a similar thing that happened to me i had that post-nocturnal sleep paralyzation happen to me before uh, the uh did ever tell you about that i did a oh, bit about yeah. it for a while i remember yeah. that story
0: it was fucking horrifying
1: it's crazy yeah and and the the key to getting over that is understanding that it's happening so once you understand that it's happening, and just to kind of i guess briefly talk about it because we know but people are listening yeah. so like i i woke up at uh i was it was in austin and i was like with my ex-ex at her brother's place and we had just been drinking and smoking cigarettes and going hard and kind of like that's what it was basically the joke I would make is I was treating my body like a rental. And like, I just was I, I woke up. And it was that time when you wake up and you're not you don't want to admit that you're awake, you're just sort of like, your eyes are closed, but you're awake. And then I heard this breath from the right side of my body. And my girl at the time was on my left. So I tried to turn my head to look and I couldn't move my head. And it was just like felt like a 1000 pounds of pressure on my chest. And I was just frozen. I couldn't scream or anything. And then like, Eventually I popped up, but it was the most horrifying, like terror that I had ever felt in my life. And I heard like hallucinate, like I heard audit- auditory hallucinations, but didn't see anything when people see when this happens to some people, they see like devils and stuff on them and weird stuff. Like they called it, I looked it up on the internet immediately, like, cause I could, and I just typed in what happens when there's breaths and you can't move and there's fear. And, you know, I'm trying to wake up. And uh, and they said it was old hag syndrome. And the reason it was called that is because it's like a little old ghost lady sitting on your chest, holding you down so you can't move. And then I kept looking. this was like early research, I guess. And then I looked more into it and said it was the post nocturnal sleep paralyzation where like, you're frozen so that you can sleep and have dreams. And then when you wake up, you get unfrozen, but sometimes it glitches out. And so you are still paralyzed so you have hallucinations to make sense out of it and that's where a lot of like alien abductions come from and people thinking they're possessed by the devil or ghosts in their house and shit this happens a lot and has for a long time and so it helped that i read that because i was all set to burn down that house like i was i was like well i was all ready to wake my girl up and be like you're gonna have to tell your brother that i have to burn his house down unfortunately because uh, there's ghosts and you have to have that conversation. <laughs> but then I was able to uh, yeah, figure it out. And the solution to it is to know that this happens. And then it happened to me again, maybe a year later. And that's the only time it ever happened again. And right when it happened, there's that initial fear, but then you're like, oh, this is that thing. Right. And as so soon funny. as you know, it's that thing, it goes away. It's exactly like panic attacks. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's so, and, and is there something that makes you predisposed? Is that genetical? Or should, I wait, think, how, what's that word? Genetic? That's good enough. We all know genetical. what that means. Yeah, what genetical. is the right word?
1: Genetic? <laughs> genetic? Yeah. yeah, genetic. I, there you go. <laughs> I added a syllable. I think it is. I, I think it's definitely something that happens to people with narcolepsy a lot because uh, they get it like chronically. But Ooh. this was something that um, I've only had maybe maybe three times total in my life. I think I had one really crazy bad dream years before that I think was the same thing. But uh, yeah, some people are really like plagued by it. And um, mine I think was just like kind of a get your shit together. Stop being a lunatic and drinking and smoking cigarettes. I was smoking cigarettes at the time too. And it was like when you smoke cigarettes and you drink late and all that stuff, it just like compounds the, the destruction. You know, you feel like, like wet garbage, not just regular garbage, you know, right. and um, it's awful.
0: I was thinking about earlier when you said you break up hard. Um, Two breakups ago, we were living together, and I remember coming out of the shower and into the kitchen, and you were doing pull-ups on our pull-up bar, and you had a backpack filled with books. Yeah, one of them sticking out and just said "In Search of Enemies," Uh (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, "Now this is a fucking image right here," of my (laughs) my roommate doing uh, fucking added weight pull-ups with "In Search of Enemies" written across his back. I'm like, yeah,
1: I think that was like maybe my fourth Instagram post.
0: Like you, you sent so me that funny. picture.
1: I was like, that's great. I can't, I can't not put that up. Yeah, that was, that was a weird time. That was a very weird time, but it ended up, it ended up good this time uh, with the quarantine thing and the COVID deal. I don't know if you've been talking about that, how it relates to the uh mental health shit. A uh, little bit. It's got to be a big deal for a lot of people that are dealing with it.
0: Yeah, it's weird. And I've talked about it a little bit of just like, in some ways I feel better because so many, uh, a, anxiety inducing things have gone away with like for me traveling alarm waking up from an alarm clock like missing a flight i gotta go in four hours i gotta give in five hours yeah this time to get to the cab getting the cab you know uh boarding an airplane deboarding finding the car you know doing a show doing a meet and greet stresses me the fuck out having all that go away the pressure to write material come up with material having all that gone has been a lot has been nice and going to bed at midnight and not Mm -hmm you know, transferring trains and, and did I get spots? What spots did I get? I have oh, that was that a big spot. one. That was so a big one. That stuff's been nice. And also this thing, in some ways I'm like, I've been training for this my whole life. Like though I've been expecting the world economy to shut down and mm-hmm. fucking a, a crazy disease. I've thought I've had a disease every minute of every
1: day. So I'm like, yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious how your uh like your hypochondria was maybe manifesting in this, you know, if like you were, convinced you had COVID the entire time or you were going to get it any day or whatever.
0: No, I didn't have that too bad. It's weird. Early on, I well, early on in the thing. Uh, and we, we got to wrap up soonish, but early on in the thing, I thought it was so wild in New York that I was like, okay, we're going to get this. I was like, I accepted it. I was like, okay, this will be a thing we'll get. And Mm -hmm. I got chicken noodle soup and water and all the shit. And I'm like, okay, this is what we'll do. Mm Mm-hmm. Early on, it sounded like, okay, 100% of New York's gonna have this. It's gonna be fucking nuts and we're all gonna need defibrillators. <laughs> it's gonna be nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, now, good. I think I actually had it. And when I had it, I thought it was my, I was having anxiety, but I thought my reflux got worse. I was hmm. like, this is really bad reflux. Cause I had a cough for like four days straight. Uh-huh. I couldn't breathe in without coughing. Yeah, maybe you like, did. I was like, oh my God, my reflux is horrendous. I didn't even think it was COVID because. My legs weren't hurting. I wasn't
1: having trouble breathing. I wasn't, you know. Yeah. And it's so, it's so many different, like the range of the way it affects people is so broad. Like it could, it could fucking kill you and it could, you might not feel anything. So fucking weird. So, That's now,
0: what's so- Early on, I thought there's no way this is COVID because like I said, I didn't have a fever. I wasn't whatever. But now knowing that how many people are asymptomatic and yada, yada, I'm like, oh, that probably was it.
1: Might have been. Have you ever gone and gotten a test thing?
0: No, I haven't I haven't done that. Um, but uh, like, I mean, if anyone was going to get it, like, from what I heard of how prevalent it was in New York now, like I was at the Comedy Cellar two nights before everything shut down. I was at Madison Square Garden at the basketball mm-hmm. tournament the night before. I'm mm-hmm. like, I flew four days before. So I'm like,
1: Yeah, I went from uh, L.A. to New York right when everything shut down. It's in those airports and did the all the stuff. But I don't know. I guess got lucky. But yeah, I know what you mean with the um, what is it? The FOMO is that the is that the term? Fear of missing out. Yeah, yeah. That's that has been like gone, which I'm super thankful for. I've I could I never even thought about it, but for the past like almost twenty years, I have been worried that I'm not doing enough to get on stage more every single day of my life. It's been so much stress. Right. And then it was just not there. And then having that feeling, I was like, weird. What a weird feeling of like relief to not have this on me all the time. And then I, I had to do something cause I couldn't bartend and I couldn't do stand up. So I channeled all that into painting and then that's become this whole new thing that I've been doing, but yeah, yeah. And that, and I never would have ever put this much energy into that otherwise.
0: Yeah, and those paint. You're the the. I think I saw you post that that octopus painting. You're doing prints of. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm one of, of? Tw- it's twenty five prints, limited edition. That painting took me 125 hours to do, and uh, it was like it's the most, it's the biggest and most intense thing I've ever painted. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm doing pre orders now. I've only got six of them left. So how do you do a print? How does a print work? So the way it works is I had my friend take these very high high definition photos of it and light the whole thing correctly. And then I send, then I'm also having another guy retouch and like color correct it. So you can really like see it all the way down to like the fibers of the canvas. Like it's a, it's like a really, really intense photo. And then you uh, send that to the print shop and there's these fine art printmaker places, like the, like the prints behind you probably that are in your, And your frames there. So it's that they do like concert things, but they also do fine art prints. So you would do a limited edition run, which is on like a heavy gauge 300 weight paper, which is almost like a, almost like a cloth almost. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, it's you do like each one of them is expensive to make, but it's full color, the whole thing. And um, yeah, they, they cost like $110 to make each one. So do you net a little money? What do they go for? I sell them for $300. Nice. Okay. So, folks
0: listening, uh, yeah, I got get, six left. <laughs> get, get on. I mean, this painting is fucking unbelievable. Paul is Thanks, a uh, just strikingly gifted painter. It's fucking mind
1: blowing how good I that appreciate thing it, is. man. And then I'm going to do the owl after the, the, I don't know if you saw the owl I was working on, but I'm probably going to do prints of that after this. And I have this really crazy painting I'm going to work on next, which is going to be like six foot high and four foot wide. I'm going to do a peacock that's like something I've never even yeah i'm gonna it's it's something else dude because this is like i don't know people like it and uh it's better than bartending yeah and it's also now i'm doing the live streaming shit on reddit and the fucking thousands and thousands of people watching it's bonkers i do it every thursday night at nine o'clock
0: yeah where's the best place to find where where do they find all that stuff and if they want to see the painting and stuff where do they see the um, art
1: probably just my Instagram is the best one now. Cause I got to redo my website to like make it more art forward or whatever. So yeah, just it's Paul Odo art at, on Instagram. Okay. That's yeah. Where all my stuff is
0: check that out. And what's the podcast, Paul, uh, the podcast oh, so, yes. I said the name when trying to say podcast.
1: No, no, that was my old one. This is my, my podcast currently is called Scientology. And that's just where I all talk right. to my, I talk to myself for about 45 minutes every week just about rambling, whatever's going on in my life. I've been a little bit too politics heavy lately, but uh, there's no secret that I think Trump is a piece of shit. So it's, it's, but I don't, I don't know. I try to, I try to be like, I get it. But anyway, it's just me talking. It feels like a crazy person rambling and it kind of is, but people think it's funny, so
0: yeah it's it's weird by the way, there's like now there's like categories of Trump haters where it's mm-hmm. like, um I think we're both in the same pile of like this guy's a piece of human trash, yeah, but then people are like, oh, you're one of these, and I'm like, well, not one of those
1: <laughs> I'm just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah yeah, yeah, but we talked about that at the beginning, so oh dude, to me, it's just about like what can we do to turn down the fire a little bit, right? That's it at this point. it's just like the fucking. The burner's all the way on. It's all the way on. And the tea kettle is just like screaming. We just need to turn the fire down. I am not excited about Joe Biden. How to Don't, be. I'm not excited about him, but fuck it. We just just get that boring piece. Just get that dude in there just so we can chill out. Things just need to chill out. It's
0: amazing, and uh, that Joe, Joe Biden just stinks. I mean,
1: he's he can't whatever. Even, like.
0: There's no he talk. It sounds like he's about to die. It sounds like he's made of dust. Dude, and, his, uh, his his
1: whole campaign thing, him and Kamala Harris, is, should just be good enough. Yeah, yeah, good it's enough. Something. It's something. Well, I mean,
0: I was. I mean, I don't want to go back into politics because uh, we talked about it a bunch up front and people mm-hmm. get. But I'm like, I right. would take. I would literally think anybody qualified over 35 who was born in America, I'd take any one of them. Genuinely anybody. a person out of the Simpson. crowd. OJ Simpson I'd take because I feel like OJ Simpson would be like, ah, I don't give a shit, man. Do whatever yeah. you guys figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know as long, I mean? long as you're not sleeping with my ex-wife, and that's not a problem anymore. So, uh, <laughs> like, you're fine. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Anyways, um, hey, no, it's, no, been really, it's been oh, really dude. fun, man. I'm really glad that we were able to, and, and I, I really enjoy this podcast. It's great. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's really fun, and I, I hope you keep it rolling and rolling. Oh, so any, anytime you ever want to revisit anything, I'd be more than happy to uh, chat with you more.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's what's nice about this pod is we can do multiple um, episodes with the same person again because yeah. it's just kind of shooting the shit mental health. So, And yeah, I think a great. lot of people are going to get a lot out of this, so I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, everybody go check out Paul on Twitter, Instagram. And I'll give you a proper intro at the beginning also. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, you got it. Thank you.
1: Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive Producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt. For the Laugh Button Podcasts.